I'd like to just take a moment, and uh, I won't be with you long, uh, because I think the uh, play uh, just about summed it up, that because of God's great love towards us, he sent his greatest gift, which is Jesus Christ. The gift that was given to us, that was for us, that came to live with us, that is now given to us. And if we believe or accept God's gift, lives in us. And so I'm so thankful for the opportunity just to remind you once more that God is with us. I'd like to bring your attention to a scripture passage, and it's found in John, the book of John, the first chapter, verse 14. And here's what it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so some of the things that was written to remind us that God had given us this writing in the Old Testament as a convincing argument of the state of all of mankind. Going back from the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and they turned away, disobeyed God, separated themselves from them, literally hid themselves from the presence of God. See, this was not just something that happened with them, but it happened over and over and over again. God's desire was to be in relationship with mankind, to be in relationship with us. Of all the creations that he had created, when he created man, he said it was very good. God desired to be in relationship with those that he had created in mankind. And so we see as time went on that God saw what was going on with mankind, how mankind was continually separating themselves from him through wickedness, through sin, which separates us from a holy, righteous God. And so through that depravity of life that was living on the earth, we see in Genesis 6, verse 3, God says this, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years that there was time coming when the great flood would come, that there would be mankind would literally but a few be wiped out from the earth, not because of God's doing, but because God hates sin and death and separation. In Genesis 6, 11, and 12, it says, and the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted its way upon the earth. So much so that I believe it broke God's heart. It saddened his heart. Before the people did not want to be with God, did not want to be led of God, did not want to follow God. We see later on, they not only did not want to follow God, but they wanted their own king instead of God being their king. We sung and we talked about the king of kings. 
And so in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 6 and 8, 6 to 8, it says, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee. They have not rejected you, Samuel, as their judge, as their prophet. But they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, that God had rescued his people over and over again, that God had delivered his people but they continued to direct, reject him. Or where they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they also unto thee. And so they no longer having God to lead them as a nation. The people grew in Israel to not trust in the Lord personally, which resulted in a divided kingdom because they didn't trust in one another. It also resulted in a divided heart that led to destruction and captivity. Israel as a nation, as individuals, rejected God so much so that they lived according to their own wisdom, and it caused division, it caused destruction, it caused captivity. And we see that David gave his, the warning of this to Solomon and to Israel. In Proverbs 3, verse 9, correction, verse 5 through 9, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thy own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Who are you following? Who are you allowing to direct your path? Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. So the people then and many now did not listen and continue to trust the Lord. They separated themselves from him. They became wise in their own eyes. Instead of submitting themselves to God, And they were led of their, own, of their own self. So much so that God grew quiet. He saw Daniel writing the scrolls about 500 years before B.C. He got a little closer with Samuel when it got to be about 430 B.C., to where the last written word of God was written. And God became silent because the people no longer had an ear to hear. And so the Bible reminds us they sat in darkness. But them that sat in darkness saw a great light. For 400 years, there was no 
speaking of God, talking about God, loving on God. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. He says these words. Behold, I am going to send you, Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. See, that means great and awesome day of the Lord. He will restore. He will return the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. So that I will now come and smite the land with a curse, not the people, but the land. See what this prophetic word is saying, that there will be a forerunner. It's giving us an indicator of John the Baptist. And it's speaking about the Messiah will come. That although there's been silence, there's been separation, there's one that will draw our hearts back to God. So that them that sat in darkness that we see in the book of Luke saw a great light. So that star we just talked about today, they were sitting in darkness waiting not understanding where is God? Why can't we hear him? Why isn't he pestering us anymore? Why isn't he on our back? Where is he? And then they saw the star. Them that sat in darkness saw a great light. And so John, the first chapter, verse 9 speaks a little bit about that light. It says, that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. It's not like the light we turn on in our house, but it's the true light. What that light means is that the very essence of righteousness, of perfect righteousness, of truth, of love for God and love for mankind, that they saw that in the very presence of Jesus Christ. And that although it seemed like God was far away, that God was no longer with the people, Jesus Christ in the flesh came to be with us. And so I love what Ellicott's commentary speaks to us about that one true king. He says this, man came to be a son of God because the son of God became man. See, he's acquainted with all our sorrows. He became to be flesh just like you and I, to be afflicted, to be tempted, to be acquainted with all our sorrows, to understand exactly what we're going through. And that because of him, man came.
came to be the Son of God because the Son of God became man. So when we ask that question, what is the significance of the gift of God, the gift of Jesus with us? Christianity.com said it this way. It means that God is continually at work within his creation. That now God is working in and through us. That he's with us. See, we were in such need of this because all ye like me and others have gone astray. And this flesh can cause you to do some of the most heinous things. It can cause you to separate from the holiness and righteousness of God. It can cause you to be frail and feel like there's no hope and there's no strength. Paul said it this way. He said, the things that I want to do, I do not. The things that I don't want to do, it seems like that's what I keep doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? See, we were in need of having God with us. See, he's not the God of deism, a God who creates a universe and then leaves it to itself. But he's a God that's right there with us through it all. Instead, God has a plan his creation and he is working it out in and through us because he's with us see it also means that there is that nothing happens apart from God's ultimate purpose and he is in the at the middle of it all especially to believers If you're a believer, the Bible calls you a saint of God. I want you to know that God is with you. Just like the visual representation that we were able to see Christ coming, the light of the world came, became flesh, and dwelt among us. It's so important as a believer you understand that he dwells in you. He's with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But it's so important that we understand this next point. God in the person of the Holy Spirit is with us in a very personal and intimate way, providing hope and comfort with his truth in this world. The God of all creation lives within you and I. Jesus is not here in the flesh anymore, but he is with us in the spirit. All at the moment you believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's with you. And he'll never leave you nor forsake you. We're reminded of this in John 14, verse 16 through 17. It says, I will pray the Father he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you 
and shall be in you. He comforts you in challenging times. He gives you hope for tomorrow and today. He teaches you his ways and leads you into all spiritual truth. We can have no greater privilege than to have God with us. So let me leave you with these final points. Let him be with you in a fully present way every day. Keep your mind stayed on him. Remember what Paul said to Timothy, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Saints of God, stir up the gift of God in you. See, there are various translations of that word of stir up. It means in certain translations to fan into flames the gift that's in you. It means to keep ablaze the gift that God has given you. It means to rekindle the gift if it's gone cold. See, the word itself, stir up, denotes the kindling of a fire. See, yes, the Holy Spirit is a person, but that person wants to be asked, knocked, seeked. To stir up. And so how do we go about doing that, saints? First and foremost in our prayer and our devotion towards him. But also the Holy Spirit comes with gifts for each and every one of us. That we have gifts, talents, and abilities. And as we step out into those gifts, the Holy Spirit steps with us. As we're serving the Lord and we're being used of him, the Holy Spirit engages with us, communicates to us, reminds us of what God has said, comforts us, leads us into all spiritual truth. As we stir up ourselves to be used of God, and exercises those gifts, the person of the Holy Spirit is stirred up in us, made present to us, and works within us and through us. Remember that he's with you. He would never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord, your God, who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. He's just that good of God. And so we trust him. Know that he's with you.